Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. The Second Day of Rudolf Steiner on the Chemical Wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz. The beginning of the description of the second day immediately indicates that nature appears to the traveler in a new way. Quote, I was hardly out of my cell into a forest when methought that the whole heaven and all the elements had already trimmed themselves against this wedding, for even the birds, in my opinion, chanted more pleasantly than before, and the young fawns skipped so merrily that they rejoiced my old heart and moved me to sing. The traveler is meant not only to see what is behind nature, he is to gain a deeper insight into the motives of human will and action that is possible with ordinary consciousness. The writer of The Chemical Wedding implies that ordinary consciousness understands only the external aspects of will and of action. With this consciousness, people become aware only of the outer aspect of their will and action. The underlying spiritual impulses that pour out of the spiritual world into this willing and acting, forming human social life, remain unknown to ordinary consciousness. We can live in the belief that a specific motive leads a person to act, but this motive is only the conscious mask for something that remains unconscious. Insofar as human beings regulate their social life with ordinary consciousness, forces lay hold of this common life that do not belong to the true, healthy purposes of human evolution. Against these forces, other forces must be placed in opposition, forces derived from suprasensory consciousness. These suprasensory impulses must then be incorporated into the social activity, it is to the knowledge of such forces that the traveler to the chemical wedding has to be led. The traveler is to look through human beings and penetrate to their inner being, for this inner being is something quite different from what we believe it is and does not, of course, have anything to do with our position in social order determined by ordinary consciousness. The image of nature, as it is revealed to ordinary consciousness, is very different from the image of the human social order, but the suprasensory forces of nature that spiritual consciousness comes to know are related to the suprasensory forces that work in the human social order. Therefore, the alchemist strives for a way of knowing nature that will be the foundation of a true way of knowing humanity. The traveler to the chemical wedding seeks the path to such knowledge. Not just this path, however, but several are shown to him. Note, the traveler finds a tablet upon which is written, quote, The bridegroom offers you a choice between four ways, all of which, if you do not collapse on the path, can bring you to his royal court. The first is short but dangerous, and one which will lead you into rocky places, through which it will be hardly possible to pass. The second is longer and takes you roundabout. It is plain and easy if, by the help of the magnet, you turn neither to the left nor to the right. The third is that truly royal road, which through various pleasures and pageants of our king affords you a happy journey. But so far this latter has hardly been granted to one in a thousand. 
by the fourth no man will reach the place, because it is a consuming path, possible only for incorruptible bodies. The first path leads to a region where the intellectual ideas of ordinary consciousness, won through sense perception, influence the process of suprasensory experience, through the resulting working together of both spheres of experience, insight into reality is killed. The second path shows that the soul may lose patience when it has to wait a long time for spiritual revelation to allow what initially can be perceived only as incomprehensible revelation to ripen. The third path demands people who, through their already attained but still unconscious readiness, are allowed to see in a brief time what others have attained only through long struggle. The fourth brings a person to meet all the forces that, from the suprasensory world, becloud and alarm consciousness when it wishes to tear itself free from sensory experience. Which path a soul takes depends upon the state it has attained through the experiences of ordinary consciousness before entering on the spiritual journey. It cannot choose in the ordinary sense, for the choice would come from physical consciousness, which is not adapted for making decisions about suprasensory things. The traveler to the chemical wedding recognizes the impossibility of such a choice, but he also knows that his soul has been sufficiently strengthened to conduct itself in a suprasensory world so as to be directed rightly when such direction comes from the spiritual world itself. The imagination of being set free from the tower gives him this knowledge. Weighted down by my own unworthiness, the dream still comforted me that I was delivered out of the tower. The imagination of the black raven, which snatches the offered food from the white dove, evokes in the soul of the traveler a certain feeling, and this feeling, produced out of suprasensory imaginative perceptions, leads along the way that ordinary consciousness would not have been permitted to choose. Whereupon I was so variously perplexed that for very great weariness, hunger, and thirst seized upon me, whereupon I presently drew out my bread, cut a slice of it, which a snow-white dove, of whom I was not aware, sitting upon the tree, espied, and therewith came down, to whom I willingly imparted my food, which she received. But as soon as her enemy, a most black raven, perceived it, he straight darted himself down upon the dove. On this path he comes to perceive human beings and human relationships in a light inaccessible to experience in a sense body. He passes through a portal into a dwelling where people behave in accordance with the supersensory forces that pour into their souls. Through the experiences he has in this dwelling he will awaken to the new life he will have to lead when enough of his experience is grasped by supersensory consciousness. Note, and after following the dove and the raven, the traveler spies in the distance a stately portal. Providence leads him to it, an exceeding royal, beautiful portal, whereon were carved a multitude of most noble figures and devices, every one of which had its own signification. The traveler stepped through the portal and was immediately welcomed and asked for his letter of invitation, which luckily he had with him. Then he was greeted as brother, 
and he himself now identified himself as a brother of the Red Rosy Cross. Many of those who have pronounced judgment on the chemical wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz have expressed the opinion that it is nothing more than a satirical romance about the activity of a secret sect or of wild alchemists or something of the kind. Perhaps, however, a true insight into the experiences the author of this book assigns to the traveler at the portal shows that the satirical mood of later parts of the work is really to be traced to soul experiences of such seriousness that they assume a form of mere satire only to those who wish to remain in the sphere of the senses. It would be well to bear this in mind in the perusal of the further experiences of the traveler to the chemical wedding. The second day's labor brings to the soul experiences that decide whether the seeker of the spirit, Johann Valentin Andrea, is describing will attain the faculties for true spiritual perception, or whether his soul will be surrounded by a world of spiritual terror. For his capacity of perception, these experiences are clothed in the imagination of entering a castle, where the world of spiritual experience is administered. Not only genuine but also false seekers of the spirit can have such imaginations. A soul may come to them when following certain trends of thought and feeling that allow it to imagine surroundings not derived from impressions of the senses. From the way Andrea describes the company of false seekers of the spirit within which the brother of the Red Rose Cross finds himself on the second day, we realize that the secret of the difference between the true and the untrue seeker is well known to him. Anyone in a position to estimate rightly such inner proof of the spiritual insight of the author of The Chemical Wedding can no longer be in doubt concerning the true character of this book, nor the intentions of Andrea, its author. The Chemical Wedding is obviously written to show serious seekers of the spirit the connection between the sense world and the spiritual world, and to explain to them the forces for social and moral life that can be awakened in the human soul through knowledge of the spiritual world. The unsentimental, humorously satirical mode of Andrea's presentation does not contradict but confirms the deep seriousness of his goal. Not only can we feel this seriousness in the apparently unimportant scenes, but we also realize that Andrea presents his pictures like one who does not wish to confuse his readers' minds with sentimentality about the mysteries of the spiritual world, but would rather create in his readers a soul-free, self-conscious, and reasonable attitude toward the world. Although the control of thought and feeling can enable anyone to form imaginations of the spiritual world, this faculty by no means guarantees that these imaginations will bring one into a genuine relation to the spiritual world. In this field of imaginative experience, the Rosicrucian brother finds himself surrounded by numerous souls who indeed live in imaginations of the spiritual world, but who, through their inner condition, are not able to come into genuine contact with it. The possibility of such genuine contact depends upon how the seeker of the spirit relates his soul to the sense world before he approaches the threshold of the spiritual world. This relationship creates a mood of soul that is carried across the threshold 
and reveals itself in the spirit world by the acceptance or rejection of the seeker. The right disposition of soul is attained only by the seeker's readiness to leave behind everything that conditioned his relation to the world of sensory reality, to lay it aside at the threshold. All impulses of heart and mind that through his outer position in life and destiny gave him the sense of the character and the worth, the weight of his personality, must cease to be active while he is in the spiritual world. If the necessity to become again as a little child is felt to be difficult, it seems more repugnant still to ordinary feelings to suppress the kind of judgment by which one finds one's way in the sensory world. One must acquire insight into the fact that this latter kind of judgment applies and has value only in this world. It is within the spiritual world itself that we must be ready to learn how to judge in the spiritual world. From the moment of his entrance into the castle, the Rosicrucian brother, the traveler, develops the mood of soul that springs from a feeling for these necessities. He does not allow himself to be led into a room where the others would spend the first night within the castle, but remains in the hall, which he has reached through all that is possible as a result of his participation in the events of the second day. Thus he guards himself from bringing his soul into a region of the spiritual world he is not yet able to connect himself with worthily in his innermost forces. This mood of soul, which prevents him from penetrating further into spiritual places than the experiences of the second day warrant, works in his soul throughout the night and equips him with a power of perception and will that he will need on the following day. Those seekers of the spirit who accompanied him but do not have the faculty of this soul mood must be rejected by the spiritual world on the following day because they cannot develop the fruits of this mood. Without these fruits, it is impossible for them through actual inner forces to unite the soul with that world by which it is, so to speak, only outwardly surrounded. The events at the portals, the encounter with the lion, the reading of the inscriptions on the two pillars at the entrance, and various events of the second day are experienced by the Rosicrucian brother so that one sees that his soul lives in the mood I have just described. The traveler brother experiences things in such a way that everything related only to the ordinary intellect bound up with the sense world remains unknown to him, and he perceives only the part that appears to his deeper soul forces in a spiritually visible connection. The encounter with the terrible grim lion at the second portal forms part of the spiritual seeker's self-knowledge. The Rosicrucian brother experiences it so that it works as an imagination on his deeper soul forces, but he does not know what it signifies for his position in the spiritual world. This judgment, of which he is ignorant, is pronounced by the guardian who stands near the lion, which he calms and who addresses these words to the traveler that are in accord with the contents of a letter that, again, are unknown to the traveler. Now welcome in God's name to the man whom I would have liked to see long ago. And now, a word from our sponsors. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. While we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated, we thank you for listening to those that do since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. The suprasensory picture of the terrible lion is the result of the Rosicrucian brothers' state of the soul. This condition of soul is reflected in the formative forces region of the spiritual world and produces the imagination of the lion. In this reflection, a picture of the seer's own self is presented. In the sphere of spiritual reality, he is a different being from what he is during his existence in the sense world. The active forces of the world mold him into a physical human image. However, in the domain of the spirit, he is not yet human, but is a being that can be imaginatively expressed by the animal form. All that displays itself within physical existence as instincts, emotions, impulses of feelings, and will is held in fetters within this existence through the life of ideas and perception bound to the sensory body, itself the outcome of the sensory world. If we desire to leave this sensory world, we must become aware of all that outside this world is no longer attached to us through the gifts of the sense world, and we must be led into the right path through new gifts emanating from the world of spirit. We must behold ourselves as we were before becoming human in the sensory world. This perception is given to the Rosicrucian brother through his meeting with the lion, which is the picture of his own being before becoming a human. To avoid misunderstanding, it may here be noted that the form in which we existed before becoming human which our essential essence considers in a spiritual way, has nothing to do with the animal state that Darwinism considers to be connected with the descent of the human race. For the animal form that appears to spiritual vision is such as can, through its very nature, belong only to the world of formative forces. Within the sense world, it can only exist as a subconscious part of human nature. The fact that one encounters this part of one's being which is usually fettered to the sensory body, is expressed in the soul mood of the Rosicrucian brother as he enters the castle. 
he is non-judgmental about what he is to experience and does not allow the latter to be obscured by judgments originating from the intellect bound to the sense world. Later, the traveler must observe this obscuring by judgments in those who have come without the right mood of soul. These also have seen and passed the terrible lion, for this depends only upon their having taken into their soul the appropriate thoughts and feelings. But in their case, the effect of this spiritual vision was not strong enough to induce the laying aside of the faculty of judgment that belongs to the sense world. In the spiritual realm, their way of judging appears to the spiritual eye of the Rosicrucian brother as vain boasting. They presume to see Plato's ideas, to count the atoms of Democritus, to pretend to see the invisible, whereas, in truth, they see nothing. This shows that they cannot unite their inner soul forces with the world that now surrounds them. They lack consciousness of the real demands made by the spiritual world upon those who strive to see. The Rosicrucian brother, our traveler, is able to form the connection between his soul powers and the realm of the spirit during the following days because during the second day he admits to himself that he is unable to see and do the things the intruders claim to see and do. His feeling of helplessness later becomes the power to experience spiritually. He must allow himself to be fettered at the end of the second day because he is to feel the fetters of soul impotence in face of the spiritual world until this helplessness has been exposed long enough to the light of consciousness to be transmuted into power. This concludes day two of The Chemical Wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz as interpreted by Rudolf Steiner. And there's a few things that stand out and I like about his interpretation, and I'm tempted to not share them because to share and highlight the points I consider salient I think might lead others to discount the variety of insights that can be found here. But I will share them anyway since they are very interesting. The first path and the four paths he talks about are, are really... Uh, well, he fills them with his interpretation quite nicely, but they are very interesting. And the first path, he discusses the problem with... It's almost an as-above-so-below problem. He talks about the, the problem of taking the ideas and concepts and intellectual understandings that we have gained in our minds from living our lives in this world and applying them to the spiritual world, sort of, you know, an almost as above, so below thing, or as below, so above thing. Quod est inferius, quod est superius, right? So he's saying you can't apply the things you've learned with your rational sense perception mind in this world to spiritual investigations. And that if you do, moreover, and unite the senses of this world to investigate the spiritual realities of another world, you kill your insight. It's quite a, a stark thing, he says, is that you literally, insight into reality is killed through the resulting working together of both spheres of experience, the spheres of sensory experience and the spheres of spiritual or suprasensory experience. So a lot of people would probably say that 
uh, increasing our knowledge of the spirit is is aided by that. But he's saying that the chemical wedding is saying that that is not the case. Now, the second path, he says, shows that the soul may lose patience when it has to wait a long time for spiritual revelations to allow what initially can be received only as incomprehensible revelation to ripen. And I see this a lot um, in in some students who, who want instant gratification or results from the work. The work takes time. Spiritual techniques and investigation and, and growth take time. So when you begin a new practice, when you're bringing new, imprinting new uh, names and images onto your sphere, um, give them time and give your growth time. Give it all a lot of time. That is certain. The third path demands people who, through their already attained but still unconscious readiness, are allowed to see in a brief time what others have to attain only through long struggle. And this is an interesting one. It was one that was brought up a lot as a kid for me because I began things so early. Um, And it would often be described that you have past life experience doing such things or attaining such progress and therefore you quickly perceive and see things revealed that others would struggle longer for and that's uh that's definitely a phenomenon we see um you can call it aptitude you can call it old souls or you can call it hard work is my preference um or uh, not having a a girlfriend (laughs) in grade school or high school i don't know but the fourth brings a person to meet all the forces that from the supersensory world becloud I actually don't know if that's a real English word but in translating the German they often do some interesting things to get the message across becloud and alarm the consciousness when it wishes to tear itself free from sensory experience I actually think this uh, this passage this sentence on the fourth path would be uh, one worth looking up in German because the English is uh, sort of clear. I'll say it again to you. The fourth brings a person to meet all the forces that from the supersensory world becloud and alarm consciousness when it wishes to tear itself free from sensory experience. Yes, um, I think what he's talking about is the overwhelming uh, spiritual realities that can... Um, incapacitate really a person's journey when they are trying to use it as escapism as a as a way of uh, leaving the world behind and Steiner's always very clear that you need to live in the world and through the world and be a, a creature of nature um even even as he's saying that you you need to uh, create a separation between your sensory interpretations and your spiritual interpretations. I mean, he's very concerned about being open to the numinous, which is often seen as in that intuitive and surprising way, not something that we can um, gauge by our sensory uh, presumptions. Logic is still important, interestingly. The logic applies and is still needed rigorously in the spiritual world, but the sense experiences are not. Or perhaps another way of saying that is that the preparation that living a logical life or what kind of life you live will determine what kind of spiritual path you 
you embark on. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people say to delay spirituality until certain stages in, in traditional Kabbalah for periods of time. It was 40 and be married. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of criteria that, that can come up in spiritual paths. I mean, in indigenous cultures, we have the, the manhood and womanhood vision quests and stuff like that. There's a lot of different options there. Steiner says which path a soul takes depends upon the state it has attained through the experiences of ordinary consciousness before entering on the spiritual journey. So it cannot choose in the ordinary sense, for the choice would come from physical consciousness, which is not adapted for making decisions about supersensory things. And the traveler, the Rosicrucian, at the, on the way to the chemical wedding, recognizes that such a choice cannot be made. And so we have this idea that the spiritual traveler, the Rosicrucian, the initiate, has to, at best, only prepare themselves so that when the direction from the spirit comes, it can be received. That's the best we can do, is prepare the Alembic. And uh, if we know some of the uh, thinking around that, it's the idea of nequa quam vacuum, nature abhors a void. So if you prepare the appropriate alembic, the vessel, the spirits or the entities or the knowledge will be pulled into it. It's like when doing ritual and you create the altar and the vortex, right? The spirits, they are yanked in whether you sort of want them to be or not. Have a great day. Happy April 20th, everybody. <laughs> Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk and as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.